people. Yo, it is the Hollywood Heels podcast. I am your rock star, your renaissance man, the Duke Russo, and I am joined by my oos, the divine voice himself, Henron. What's up, man? What's up? What's up? We're back. What an episode. The season premiere of Monday Night Raw. Banger. What did we have going on tonight, good sir? Monday Night Mommy. Yes, sir. We are coming from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. No Chet Holmgren in sight, unfortunately. That would have been fun. We opened the show with Sami Zayn. They played the right music this time. We got the Sammy music. He comes out wearing a KO shirt. It actually looked like it might have been one of KOs too because it was kind of big on Sammy. Um, He's going over about his mixed emotions with KO being gone. He's sad to lose his tag partner, his BFF. Excited for both of them moving forward as singles competitors because he believes he is a world heavyweight champion level superstar before we go any further your thoughts sir yes i'm glad you mentioned the thing about him wearing kevin owens shirt because i i noticed it and i was like yeah he's representing his friend he bought his merch but the fact that you said it was maybe his shirt i was thinking like man sammy kind of let himself go but maybe it was just the wrong shirt it's all all the dots are connected now i'm hoping to see kevin owens on smackdown in sammy's shirt and you know it like uh Fat man and a little coat. That's what I'm hoping to see. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it smells like KO and he just misses him that much. He just misses him, man. And we see later how much he missed him with his emotions. But yeah, he's just automatically in the world heavyweight picture. He says, I'm a, I'm a heavyweight contender. And boom, you're on the list. So yeah, you know, let's, let's get it. But do you, do you believe that? Do you truly believe that Sami Zayn is a top belt on his show competitor no i i think that um my first thought here was literally when he said i'm in the heavyweight picture my first thought was he's going to be the first opponent for drew mcintyre after drew takes that belt from seth that was my first exact thought i I don't think i'm going to be correct about that but um no he's i think you could be i think you could be but we'll, we'll see um so Sammy continues saying that he's he's struggling that in order to get Jay over to Raw, he had to lose KO. When the Judgment Day interrupts with no JD McDonough, he's still somewhere around the moon after that back body drop from Drew McIntyre. He's eventually going to come down from orbit, but today's not that day. They are happy KO is gone. Damien says that he wants Drew gone. He goes off in Spanish, waving the briefcase around. Rhea calms him down. Dom can speak just fine. Okay, see, you're pretty low on the Dom Boo rankings. Do better. Um, Rhea is mentioning how they usually like to recruit lost little puppies like Sami Zayn, but they would prefer to get rid of him. They slowly creep around the ring, surround Sami Zayn. When Jay Uso, it's just me, Us, comes out, not just him. He comes out with two chairs, one for him, one for Sammy, back Sammy up. They get Judgment Day to back down. 
But at the end of the segment, Sammy just kind of leaves Jay hanging in the ring. That was not very oozy of him, was it? Not very oozy at all. He, they were going to end your career, bro. Like, I don't know, like, why, why are you acting that way? Um, he kind of, kind of said some self straight later, but I don't know, man. I, I understand he's in his feels. He lost his friend, and I do think that it's a good thing that they put the separation between Sammy Zane. Kevin Owens, it was great seeing them together. It was great seeing that rejoining. But I think that's the great thing about their relationship is that's just their never-ending cycle. They went through NXT, friends, foes, and then you know they went to the main roster, friends, foes, and then they ran it back again a third time right now. And you know now let's see somebody turn. Let's see them break up. Let's see them fight each other in a year or so just to eventually get back together in two years. Because I, I do think that, I don't know, they, they did, I believe, recently sign new contracts. So I feel like at the end of these contracts, they might be looking into slowing things down in their careers. I feel like most people we're seeing here, you know, we probably got like five years left before they start phasing out everybody we're literally talking about right now. Um, but yeah, you know, Judgment Day, I still would have attacked him, even though he, they, he had chairs. Y- y'all still could have taking both of them out and, and no Cody you're not gonna come yeet with your boy uh, that was kind of weird yeah not only that but they still had the briefcase they, Rhea has a belt uh, Dom has a belt like they had things they could have used but you know uh, it ultimately seemed like Finn was the one that kind of backed him down and was like hey guys not this ain't the time but this does continue backstage because Jay confronts Sammy you know, Jay wants to make sure that they're good. Sammy is indeed in his feels, saying he kind of needs some space. Uh, it was nice that Jay came out to back him up, but it should have been KO out there. Jay's got friends on the show now. Jay's got belts. But Sammy Zayn don't got any of those things. He feels very alone right now. Jay sees sees what it what it is. You know, he walks off. He ain't he ain't feeling the situation. But Sami Zayn chases him down, apologizes. Honestly, it looks like Jay's going to leave him hanging before he drops it. We good, Oose. And, uh, you know, one, one little thing at the end here, Sammy's like, yeah, man, I, I'm, just, I'm just in my, in my head right now, you know? And Jay's like, yo, I, I got something for that. So, like, I'm just wondering what that something is. Is that something, you know, what, what was going on before that post-show presser or what? I don't, I don't know, man. I had saw that that specific line on Twitter, and the first thing I could think in my head was "head on," applied directly to the forehead. Head on. <laughs> that's, that's where my mind took me, but I don't know what I don't know what he might have for him. I'm interested to find out, though. You know, he's he's got he's got some of that Maui Wowie from from the homeland for him. All right, so we end up. In our first match, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Ricochet Falls Count Anywhere match. Finally trying to, to settle this feud. Um, one interesting thing to know before we get into the match, you know, they were they were given the guys' profiles and whatnot. And on Ricochet's, it said his signature move slash finisher is the 630 splash. 
Bro, does he even hit that anymore? Like, every now and then we'll see a 6.30 centon sometimes, but, like, he don't even really hit that much anymore either. I can't remember the last time I've seen him hit a 6.30 splash. Yeah, it's been a while. It's, you know, with as athletic as he is just hitting a shooting star, it looks good, and it's just easier and safer than hitting the setup to try to hit that 6.30. He is, just like I mentioned with everybody else, he is getting up there. And, you know, he wants to take care of himself because one tiny bit of under rotation, you're landing directly on your head and your neck. And you're lucky if you're only in your career other than your life. So I think maybe he's just playing it a little bit safe and potentially saving it for, for WrestleMania or something huge. You know what I'm saying? Like, I doubt they're going to put that man in war games. But, you know, 630 off the top. You know what I'm saying? Double backflip off the top. Like, you save that for those yeah but then don't don't put it on his introduction card it's his signature move and finisher if the dude's gonna hit it you know like once a year and to be fair like he's got a really impressive aerial repertoire you know that i'm not shitting on the dude by any means but like okay then then just say shooting star press or whatever you know what i mean like it, I, I don't know. That was just kind of weird to me. Of just like, yeah, but the dude don't even really hit it. Yeah, I know what you mean. But what do we got in this match? So this was a really good match. I was excited from last week for this match. And they honestly didn't disappoint. If anything with Ricochet not, not inside the ring or letting him be in his element, it was great. I, I felt Shinsuke didn't even really do much like not not saying he was necessarily carried or he underperformed in any way but it's the things that he did it it was simple he didn't have to do much because you know ricochet is trying to be the high flyer he's jumping off of this he's flipping over that and shinsuke is either dodging taking it or hitting him with a nice big shinsuke strike um but this was cute you know they early on they started fighting up up top onto the ramp ricochet jumped him before the bell getting revenge from when shinsuke jumped him at the top of the ramp so small things like that that i like to see we got to see hurricane backstage ricochet hit him with a line he said hold stop hold on hurricane there's a ricochet coming through or some shit like that i can't remember the exact phrase but they they can take shit seriously uh the but the backstage segment where they're fighting backstage and Ricochet just does some type of like tumble back roll off the ref's back to hit a knee to Shinsuke. Just absolutely ridiculous. They're fighting at the top of the big ass giant stage. And I'm just thinking like, imagine if you're playing Mario Kart up there, you could get like 64, 128 people in that mug, like playing Mario Kart on that big ass screen. But Ricochet hits a backflip off the, you know, off the giant screen to, from an Irish whip to get out of that. You know, he tries to hit the standing moonsault, you know, uh, Nakamura gets the knees up, but then he hits the standing shooting star and you just, you're just falling onto like the stage and the entrance ramp. And that's not mats, like that's just, you know, metal or hard plastic or whatever the hell it is up there. So that shit can feel good on their knees, but eventually they, you know, they mess with each other. They end up fighting upstairs into this random ass area in the crowd reminiscent to kevin owens um up in the crowd from that still city street fight against judgment day 
but he's just standing up there. He ends up getting on the railing. He's holding a fan's hand. Absolutely wild, man. He hits the fucking shooting star onto the the pile. Thank God the pile of security guards was there alongside Shinsuke Nakamura to catch his fall. And he hit a different variation of the shooting star press. Normally, they get a lot more height quickly into that rotation. He, he purely went distance and then he hit that flip because it was such a tight fucking box to hit this in this narrow ass little area. You can't go left. You can't go right. If you you lose your footing, you're on this rail. He had to have been at least 15, 18 feet in the air on top of the railing over that cement area. Absolutely ridiculous. Beautiful, beautiful form. It was just great. They end up coming back down to the ring. Shinsuke throws some popcorn in his face uh shinsuke busts out the double nunchucks he said not only can i use one but i can use two. Oh man whooped his ass with some nunchucks um but they had randomly set up a table um during all the chaos the crowd did not chant for a table so applause to the crowd but at one point you know ricochet is trying to go up top Shinsuke's trying to fight him off. He ends up knocking this man through the table that was set up, you know, five minutes prior. Ricochet slow to get up on the outside. And Nakamura finishes off with the Kinshasa on the outside for the win. Beautiful. Yeah, this match was um I guess not as bad as I was expecting it to be. <laughs> I I don't like these falls count anywhere because like 80% of the match ends up backstage, but that didn't really happen in this one. They had the backstage moments, but it wasn't like extensively backstage. So uh, I wasn't as disappointed as I was expecting to be. Also, I think the GTS is literally just part of Shinsuke's repertoire now. I don't think it's any sort of CM Punk conspiracy at this point because the dude just hits it all the time. And I guess if there was one thing that I was upset about was... The double nunchuck spot was awesome. Like, why, why, when he takes out some nunchucks, why has he only got to hit the dude once or twice and then put him away? Like, why can't we get an extended nunchuck, period? We, we get people wielding a kendo stick for, like, two minutes. Why can't we get Shin with the double nunchucks for, like, two minutes? Um, and also, mega props to the camera work on that shooting star press. Uh, that, that made it all that much more impressive. Um, similar to that KO Swanton. Um, so I may, maybe maybe we'll put this to bed. Maybe we won't. I don't know. It was kind of a, a clean win here. Um, I, I guess, you know, you, you could say that Raw is a little lacking in, like, individual heels right now. Like, you've got a couple heel factions and a couple heels here and there, but, like, you don't have too many rogue individual heels, I would say. So I'm assuming they're going to keep Shinsuke in this kind of thing. But I do kind of expect them to give us m more of this. I, I, I would like it to be the end of it, but I don't think it's going to be. I hope it is, you know. Um... Cause it wasn't that brutal of a finish for Ricochet to be out for a while, but maybe it is. Maybe it's something that we can have Ricochet just take a week or two off, let the heat die down. That he don't got a beef. Keep Shinsuke away from the set. That's done. I don't know who else he would have on the main roster to feud with, unless they want to just 
get him mixed up with like Cody or Jay or somebody in the meantime because they obviously wanted him to win to try to keep him strong for somebody, some face. So we'll see where they go with that. My only other thought is he could be a mid-tier heel to keep strong for Chad Gable's Intercontinental reign because I do believe that's coming soon. I fucking hope so. Um, maybe they'll give us, you know, now you got me thinking on that three that way that we just had, maybe we'll get a little bit of Ricochet, Bronson Reed, um, you know, give, give both of them something to do. I don't know. We'll see. We end up backstage though, with half of the women's raw roster in the shot for some reason. So we've got, we've got Chelsea Green, Piper Niven, Tegan Knox. Katana Chance, Caden Carter, and then randomly Nikki Cross just brooding in the background just to remind us all that she is indeed still um, on the roster. More or less, Chelsea's just sitting there taunting the other women. Tegan gives it back to her and successfully chases her off. But, you know, I, I got to thinking, it, I don't know if there's ever been a female crossover star into acting from the WWE, but... Uh, if anybody could do it right now, it's probably Chelsea Green. Let's let's be honest. I think I just saw an article about Lita being in a movie and stunt double accidentally broke her neck and she had to take a year and a couple months off. So I think Lita was in something. I'm pretty sure Becky Lynch. I think she was a bad guy in one of these Marine Four or something like that. One of the WWE produced movies. <laughs> but you're right about that. I don't know of anybody, any translated star like that. So, yeah, I, and I could definitely see that with or maybe like a television star as well, too. I could see her in some type of sitcoms or some shit like that. She's got a very big personality, should we say. She totally could have been in the Barbie movie, even though I didn't see that movie. I'm just assuming what it was like, and I'm assuming that it was pretty much made for Chelsea Green to be in. Um, yes and no, because she's kind of like mean girly, and all the Barbie girls there wasn't like, like I like they didn't have like mean girl Barbie. It was it was literally like just super positive and uplifting, like. Honestly, the movie was hilarious, but there was a lot of just, you know, uplifting women and stuff like that. And not, you know, not to not any negatives on any of that. No, but that's just what the movie was about mainly. But it was it was hilarious. I had a really good time. Well, we'll find something for Chelsea. Um, we get a a little Imperium, but mostly Gunta vignette. Uh, more or less him just saying, there is no man like me. There is only me. He had a couple couple lines in there, but just kind of a lead in to the uh, fight later in the night with Bronson Reed. Bronson Reed will get a little vignette as well at some point in the night, but honestly, nothing nothing remarkable. But we end up in a match that you were surprisingly looking forward to. We had Piper Niven versus Natalia. What do we got? Um, and I regret everything that I said. I was excited to see this. <laughs> and this was so bad. Hey, dude, why was Natalia just whooping this girl's ass? Like, I'm sorry, Piper. Like, we'll see this later. And I'm going to kind of spoil it a little bit. But we have some clearly defined divisions. Like, 
we have this weird mid-tier division that some reason Piper Niven's in with the tag team championship and Natalia's in it and all those women that we just mentioned backstage that you didn't even know were still on the show like they're in this division. But also on Raw, we have the badass division, which is going to be the five women participating at Crown Jewel in that uh, title match. Like, there's a clear separation between these groups of women and i feel like piper niven should be in the badass group like you should be out here like whooping people's ass and this whole time we had this dumb i mean not natalia dumb but like the match concept is dumb like natalia's been like she should have gotten squashed basically the only reason that piper niven won is because chelsea green stood up on the apron tried to distract the ref failed natalia went to run off of the ropes bumped into chelsea not chelsea down natalia for some reason looked around confused she wasn't hurt she wasn't injured and then somehow she gets thrown down and eats the basement cross body for the one two three and i'm like all that for that like you could have just did that Yeah, I um this match did absolutely nothing for me. I uh, the the only takeaway I had was this new ring gear for Piper. I haven't I feel like I haven't seen this ring gear. I liked this ring gear for her. Uh that was that was my only positive. Yo, yeah, I, I said that. I said that. Yeah, it was in my notes. Um it looks like uh some green Power Rangers shit. That's probably like, you know, some some Celtic war or something like that. I'm not too sure if you're familiar with the Celts. I feel like you might have a lot of background in that. Uh, Eric, <laughs> but you know that was those are my thoughts. I did like this as well. Yeah, that that was pretty much it. We get a little thing where you know T- Tegan Knox comes in to save Natty at the end of the match. Kind of just what these two have been doing. Um, you know, Chelsea Chelsea had to be real, real careful in that skirt that she was wearing, though. So there there wasn't a whole lot that went on there. Um, we end up backstage with the Judgment Day, and we have Damian Priest saying something that I literally never expected to hear out of this dude's mouth. Um, he's saying that he kind of feels bad about JD McDonough's beatdown from Drew McIntyre. Maybe they need to take out Drew. Um, but Dom, he may not make the plans, but he's got the ear of the person who does make the plans, and he already knows that mommy has said that no one messes with Drew. She took care of the situation. And then uh, each each Judgment Day member says that they're ready for their respective matches tonight. Uh, Rhea, her match with Shayna Baszler, and then uh, Priest and Balor for their rematch to get the tag titles back. But some some little uh, foreshadowing with this situation with Drew and the Judgment Day. I I don't want to elaborate on it quite yet because we get to elaborate it in the next segment, but um did you really ever think that you were going to hear Damian Priest say that he feels bad about JD McDonough? I mean, dude got his ass whooped, right? He was like, I, I didn't know he was going to beat him up that bad, you know. So, I you know, he's probably was just thinking him as like a rag, ragtag guy cuz he he did help him out sometimes, right? You can't hit him too much. But uh, this was a cute little thing, some hints here. Um, I did not have any revelations during this segment. I had one later, and I had one earlier that I forgot to mention as I was thinking of the whole Drew and Priest thing, and they got this beef. 
clearly, as we see right now, Mommy and Judgment Day, we're not doing that right now. She's got Priest, or she's got Drew handled. We're not worried about that. That's another thing I can see down the line is a face Damien Priest versus a Drew heel maybe next year sometime deep into Drew's title reign, you know, and have Priest win it legitimately over Drew. That would be fun. I, I would enjoy a match between those two. Um, there, there are some things to say about Drew and the Judgment Day, so I, I'll just roll right in to the next segment. We've got Seth freaking Rollins coming out and addressing the crowd for Monday Night Rollins. Seth is um, wearing kind of like a skirt over his pants, and I'm like, is this, is this a little, like, jab at drew nobody mentioned it or anything but i was just like hmm that's that's interesting i mean drew has been coming out in his black leather kilt and now we've got seth coming out in kind of a black skirt um seth is still kind of confused at everything that went down last week the whole situation with drew about him like wanting 100 percent, etc and he has some questions and asks drew to come out and join him drew comes out Seth is trying to dance to Drew's music. He was he was kind of having a hard time finding it, but you know, I'll, I'll give him props. Um, Drew responds by saying that Seth is basically just begging to get jumped by the Judgment Day by just standing out here in the ring all the time by himself. Um, but Seth counters, uh, asking him if he's truly on his own. Seth has the production crew roll tape on a discussion between Ricochet and Adam Pierce. And then you zoom in in the background and you've got Drew McIntyre and Rhea Ripley sitting there together chatting something over. Would you care to elaborate, Drew McIntyre? Drew <laughs> says that he ain't a thirsty creep like Jay Uso. She came to me. I was like, oh, oh, all right, all right, I see, I see how it is. And that whatever they were discussing is none of anyone's business. Seth uh, is trying to warn him to not deal with the Judgment Day, the slippery slope that they are. Drew doesn't need anyone, though, because he's beat Seth's ass before. He goes over his own history of him getting interfered with, particularly with the bloodline, when Seth interrupts him and tells him that he needs to get over the bloodline. Uh, Drew takes the time to remind him how he carried the company in a dark, dark time in the pandemic era and tells Seth that he needs to start thinking about how he's going to reinvent himself for the 53rd time when he loses to Drew. Seth then promises to beat Drew and it will be the best thing that's ever happened to him because it will finally be a loss that he will have no one to blame but himself this was a phenomenal segment dude I really liked both of them both of them in this I mean I obviously am a huge fan of both of them but I do understand that there's a large I don't, I don't know that I would say there's definitely a community within the WWE universe that does not like Seth and his character. But I felt like even those people would have a hard time arguing with how awesome this segment was. And this, to me, is the best table setting that they have done during Seth's entire reign. 
Yeah. Um, I, you know, I can't even really think of many of his past championship matches, but I feel like this is a, this feels like a big match. You know what I'm saying? It's got that big match feel. I loved his glasses that he randomly had. I don't know the hell these Cyclops things were uh, from X-Men that he had on. They're kind of fresh. I kind of want a pair. Um, and nobody talks about his outfits because they just think everything's crazy. They're like, oh, that's just old Seth. So it probably was something that he was trying to make a hint towards. But like nobody got it. You know, that's what I think. But who's the camera creeper? No real person saw that Photoshop tiny little <laughs> pixelated cropped in Drew McIntyre and mommy backstage. Like, like I didn't, I didn't see that shit. Like, what the hell? How'd you see that shit? But yeah, those last two lines from Drew and Seth respectively about reinventing yourself and not having anyone to blame but yourself. Oh man. Fire, fire, fire. Yeah. I, I'm really excited for this match. Um, I'm trying to think like there's been a couple matches at the recent pay-per-views that I've really been excited for, but I feel like this is the first time in a while that like two of my top favorite stars in the WWE are feuding with each other. And I'm just so fucking giddy over it. Um, like I, I really, I honestly don't even care who wins. I will be happy regardless. I know that the, these two are going to put on a phenomenal match and I will be satisfied with whatever the outcome is. And I feel like that's rare for me. I, I'm usually pretty opinionated one way or the other. Or it's like, I just don't give a fuck because I don't care about any of these people. However, this one, I love both of these dudes and I would be completely fine with either one of them walking out with the belt. The only thing that would be, that would piss me off is if Damian Priest cashes in and walks out with the belt. Yeah, I don't want to see that. Um, there's something... But not not that I think it's going to be tied into this. I think we're probably going to see a clean Drew victory. And I think he's probably going to be a champion up until Elimination Chamber or Mania. I think that's fair. And I, I think that maybe, you know, Rhea's got a plan, right? And so she's she's trying to, like, steer them away from Drew. I'm not wondering if she's going to let Drew win and, and you know, let him have his title reign. And maybe we get a failed cash-in attempt of Damian Priest on Roman. Maybe, maybe, potentially. Um, I, I'm waiting for another segment that I have here later to really get into details of some of the revelations I was speaking upon earlier. All right, well, we'll keep it moving so we can get to those revelations. We have a match next. We have Ludwig Kaiser versus Johnny Gargano. I did not know that this match was happening. I assumed that we were getting just straight up the tag match, but they're basically saying that, you know, Ciampa, I, I don't think they use the words medically cleared, but more or less what they're saying is he's still recovering from the ambush of Imperium. So for now, we've got Johnny Gargano just facing Ludwig Kaiser, who came out with Giovanni Vinci. What do we got for this match? Yeah, surprise here. We did have that, and they showed the promo again from last week when they got jumped. And that took out Champa. He's on the shelf, um, but we'll, we'll. And I think that that's good because he did lose to Gunther. Let's give him some time off, and then when he makes his triumphant return to save uh, Gargano, and they win the tag team match, and, and Gunther's going to be super pissed. 
and then it'll be great. I don't want to see any more stuff, but maybe we could extend this a little bit and we could see a Gargano Gunther match and then watch Gargano get murdered. I'd love to see that, but this um and it's at the start of this Donny Johnny wrestling, he used to have amazing music. They kind of re- remixed it. Like they've kind of been remixing everybody's music lately. And it has like no bass in it. It's just so bad. It's got no life before. Oh, it was a fucking banger. But whatever. Um, interesting little match. Gargano hit this weird little tarantula. The bell rings of Saturn, neck twist, moving the ropes. You know how they normally climb over the ropes and tie them up in the tarantula like Sajiri used to do. But instead of going all the way over, he stopped halfway, came back up to the top and grabbed into a neck wrench. I don't know what the hell that was. Never seen it before. Loved it. Uh, Kaiser hit a nasty European uppercut to the back of this man's neck at one point, and he fell face first into the apron. Nice little spot right there. Gargano does everything that classic Gargano does. Hits the rolling in Zaguri. Hits the uh, cheeky Nando kick with the head tucked into the uh, turnbuckle. Shout out Osprey. Um, he hit the springboard flip into the sunset bomb off the second rope. That was nasty. Um, we did get Benji trying to help at one point, but Kaiser got all butthurt about it. And then Kaiser ended up eating the Willow's Bell. Shout out Champa. DDT through the ropes, and then Gargano hits the slingshot DDT. Love that move. Love to see that shit. Um, but he gets the cute little eye poke from Vinci. It was so tiny. Like, he could have been holding a toothpick and poked this guy right in the eye. It was actually perfect. Um, but Gargano gets, you know, pissed about that. He tries to chase Vinci. Vinci runs back through the ring. Gargano eats an enziguri and eats this fancy little DDT. Didn't hear a name for it. Don't know any special term for it. The last person that actually did it was Velveteen Dream. And he won. One, two, three. Uh, Ludwig Kaiser with the victory over Johnny Gargano. Velveteen Dream, man. Your your favorite wrestler that never made it to the main roster. Um, Yeesh. This, this was, I don't know, I, I didn't really care too much for this match. I mean, the guys in the Imperium just don't really do much for me. Johnny Gargano, um, sometimes he's really good. I mean, le- the dude's a phenomenal wrestler. Don't, don't get me wrong, like his, his repertoire, his in-ring ability is, is really good, especially for a guy of his size. But I don't know, he just never really like did it for me. So this match didn't do it for me. My biggest takeaway, you know, is L- Ludwig Kaiser stands with his hips so far forward and his upper body leaning so far back. The dude is just like begging for back problems. He should he should really work on his posture. That's that's my takeaway. With his little hand gestures and everything that he does and he's something yeah as somebody with massive back issues if he doesn't have them yet he's going to so work on that shit bro um we end up backstage with indy hartwell still begging becky for an opportunity to win the belt that she never lost but um i mean at the end of the day uh, the belt left her so i mean she lost the belt she didn't lose a match to lose the belt, but the belt was gone. Um, just in case she needs to be reminded of that. 
Becky is uh, like she seems as tired of these stupid backstage interactions as we are. The ones that are like, oh, well, when's it my turn or when's it my chance and this and that. And her answer is the same every fucking time. Like, okay, let's do it. Um, same response here. She says she'll go talk to Adam Pierce and have him make it official. And as Becky goes to walk off, she walks right into the Eradicator. Rhea Ripley is standing there. They stare each other down. Rhea walks off, and then Becky's thinking and talking to herself, and she's saying, you know, Becky two belts, huh? So, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's actually going to happen, but, and I, I love Becky. Um, she's done a lot in her career. I think that where she's at right now, she is not at Rhea's level. So, uh, eh, let's, let's not do that. Yeah, it was, it was fun when it was, it's fun to see the pop. We'll eventually see that at some point down the line. And I, I mean, I think we're like going to, I think if Becky holds on to it, we're going to see the NXT step up into a three-way match at survivor series and what would that be charlotte Rhea, becky that'd be fire i could you know i'd love to see that I, i'd be into that um i do agree i think that becky and Rhea will face off at some point do, do you know if they ever have i was trying to think about it but i i couldn't remember it happening i don't i don't know either um because i feel like they've been on separate brands mainly yeah um but I don't know. We'll we'll see. Uh, I I think it could be enjoyable if they were to face off one on one. I feel like it would need to be something like a street fight to just make it seem. Because I feel like in just a straight match, Becky stands absolutely no chance. I feel like it would need to be a no holds barred, like a like a anything goes kind of match with apparatuses for it to be believable that Becky has a chance. So I don't know where it's going to go, but that would be fun, especially after the one that we just saw with Tiff. Um, we've got backstage Drew McIntyre approaching Sami Zayn. Drew thanks him for de-escalating a situation before, uh, between him and Jay earlier in a previous show, but he is deeply disappointed in Sami for immediately forgiving Jay earlier in this show. Um, Sammy is agreeing with Seth Rollins that Drew really needs to put this bloodline shit behind him. Drew is the only one left at this point who doesn't buy that Jey Uso has changed. So, I mean, even KO has. And KO doesn't do that shit often. If KO bought into it, Drew can buy into it. But Drew don't want to buy into shit. Um, you know, Sammy's telling him that, hey, I can relate with the situation you're in. But Drew's tired of hearing that shit. And especially from Sami Zayn, because Sami Zayn has never been a world champion. Sami, now after declaring that he sees him as a world heavyweight champion level competitor, takes offense and challenges Drew McIntyre to next week on Raw. So I, this could be a fun match. Uh, I mean, obviously Drew's going to win um, unless Jay comes out to help him. Like, There's no way that Sammy's winning just fine on his own, but it's going to be a fun match. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good match. Um, I hope they, I hope they actually have 
a good match and they're not saving it for something. Like I mentioned earlier, I do believe that Sammy is kind of was kind of lined up to be just a stepping stone, but maybe he's on the way to the belt instead of the first contender after he gains the belt. Because if he is the first contender, then I feel like they'll be trying to save things for a better match when it could be a really good match next week. Yeah, and I think with these two guys, like we're we're not talking about um, as as much as he's awesome and as much as he's over and as much as we love LA Knight. We're not talking about like an LA Knight situation where um, his move set isn't the largest in the world. Like these two guys do a lot of things, and I feel like they could have two all out matches that could be very different matches. So I'm not too worried about that with them. Um, I I don't like I I don't think that they've declared what the actual main event of next week's raw is going to be but to me this is a main event level match so hopefully they put it in that slot and give it some time to breathe give it you know 15 minutes or so and uh put on a banger for a crowd Yeah 100% I really do on a sh- nice match for Dallas Texas next week Oh boy Dallas Hopefully they'll be happier with that than they usually are with Dak Prescott. Um, after this, we finally have our Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler match. And one thing that I'm curious if you know, because they said that there were, earlier in the show, commentary said that there were two title matches in this show. So was the belt not on the line here? That's what I was thinking too. I do not think the belt was on the line and i believe you had mentioned it in one of our previous podcasts that every time that it's a singles match the belt should be on the line and i I agree with you there like come on now yeah i'm not a fan of that um and i mean i i don't think anybody really expected shana to to win either way like it's ria shana's shana's in that b tier where Rhea is in a very small A tier of her, Charlotte, maybe Bianca, and you know probably Jade. Uh, that that's that's how thin that elite women's tier I personally feel like is. Um, Rhea does come out to address the crowd before Shayna's entrance, but doesn't really say much. Just kind of says, you know, mommy will always be on top. And then we get into the match. Hit me. Yes, mommy will always be on top. Um, and evidently, Rhea Ripley won the NXT Women's Belt from Shayna Baszler. So they mentioned that on commentary. I thought that was a cute little note that added a little backstory to this match. But damn, like I get it. We we hyped up Shayna Baszler. We're still beefing her up, and I don't know. She still hasn't gone over the hump for me. She's up the hill, but she's still not like. Oh yeah, she's she can you know squash Rhea Ripley level like because that's what the hell she was doing for the majority of the beginning of this match like she was just fucking trying to catch a submission here, kneeing her in the face here, and kind of taking her out. We did have a nice little power spot by Rhea Ripley when um, Baszler did try to catch an arm bar. She did clasp the fingers, you know, hold the grip so she couldn't fully get it. Was able to pick her up in the deadlift powerbomb. Held her up for a good minute before slamming her back down. Um, but just randomly, out comes Naya, you know, making her way down the ramp. <laughs> and before she can get into the ring, here comes Raquel. And she just came out of nowhere. 
you know, back out and everything. You know what I'm saying? And then out of nowhere, Zoe Stark, where have you been? Like, I thought you were friends with Baszler, but every time we've seen Baszler, you've been MIA. So I'm glad to see you back. This is kind of what I was mentioning last time. Like, like I feel like she should be in all this mix as well. So glad to see that she's all up in here. And then we just get wildness outside. I was thinking at this point, if we got a Raquel heel turn, she'd gain a lot of points in my book because she would lose all the stuff I don't like about her, all the smiling and all all the, you know, all that stuff. Like if we get ferocity and intensity, I feel like she could really be a top contender. You know, maybe not right now when we have Rhea Ripley, maybe when Ripley takes a break, but give her a nice heel turn, give the belt to some face to hold it for a little bit and have... Raquel come and just boot the shit out of this girl because she was going crazy out here looking like a bull uh, trying to charge Nia Jax ends up just running into the stairs. Um, Zoe Stark, you know, ends up in, in the ring after, you know, fighting with everybody. And then we get um, Nia Jax come into the ring as well and everybody's in here. But eventually Nia eats a giant super kick, eats a head, but Rhea Ripley picks her up. But then Zoe Stark Stark gets a drop kick, causing Nijax to fall on top of Ripley like a crossbody. And Starks is the only one left standing. And all these women, this is what I dub the badass division in the women's division, because they're all fighting to be the, the baddest woman or whatever. Um, I don't see anybody else on the level on Raw. That's fair. Um I would agree with you that they they have that kind of um Feel I would say one that could belong in that division as far as like character goes, maybe Nikki Cross. Um, obviously, maybe not as a wrestler, but like her just unhinged psychopath that should be locked up in asylum kind of vibe, I feel like would almost fit with them. Um, but you know, th- this match, I don't know, I was kind of conflicted, it ended how I thought it was going to end, which was in DQ. I think technically Rhea won because when Zoe got tossed in the ring, she kicked Rhea, which then they they rang the bell right then and there. So pretty sure she got handed the technical DQ victory on this one. They gave the match some time for Rhea and Shayna to have some spots um, before all the interference. But yeah, so like kind of what you said earlier... um, this is the fatal five way that we're getting at Crown Jewel. You know, Rhea Ripley, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Zoe Stark, and Raquel Rodriguez. Now, as far as Raquel going heel and then like she drops all the shit that we hate, no, because she would still do the back thing. I feel like doing the back thing would be even more. She just maybe won't smile while doing it. Like she's just going to be flexing all over the place. And bro, I don't want to see that. No, dude, her heel gimmick's gonna be different muscle, dude. What's that thing on your shoulders? That's your trap, dude. She's gonna be she's gonna start flexing her traps. You know what I'm saying? She ain't Brock Lesnar. Come on. Hey, I'm saying maybe she'll build him up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, all right. Maybe, maybe. But I ain't buying it. Um we are backstage with Adam Pierce and Becky Lynch making her match with Indy Hartwell official for next week. 
when Zia Lee once again pops in to to say, you know, when's it my turn? And Becky's like, yo, whenever you want it to be. Shit, you can even be the third in the match with Indy if you want. And Zia responds with, I I will have my match and I will have that belt, but you know, um, but I, I it's gonna be on my terms and it's gonna be when I want it. And I'm like, Yo, but didn't Becky literally just say that? Did Becky not just fucking tell you that whenever you want the match, you can have it? And now she's saying, no, I don't want the match. I only want the match when I want the match. And I'm just like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, this segment was so goddamn dumb. Um, and, and just, like, Zia Lee, fucking wrestle somebody. You know what I mean? Like, anybody. I don't give a shit who it is. You got all these women that ain't doing shit on the fucking roster, and yet you want to go after Becky for a belt. Like, put up or shut up. Go out there and fucking fight somebody. Fight Natalia. I don't care. Like, do something. Um, And then uh, Jade Cargill comes into the shot, tells Becky, nice belt. And Becky just simply tells her to get in line. And Jade is a little surprised that that's her response. And, you know, Adam Pierce is like, that's what you can do when you're the man. Yeah, that was disrespectful. And Becky, I'm sorry, but she's taking your belt. No, she's not taking the NXT belt. She's, I don't, maybe, but. I don't know, like, the way that they're building Jade up, I can't remember the last time that they've built a star up their first go-round in the company like this. Um, And I think that they're going to give her, in my opinion, how they should handle this. They should give her a Goldberg-like run to start off her career. I don't think that they should give her a belt right well maybe they'll give her a belt right away and maybe it'll be the nxt belt right away but like i feel like she should have a solid like 20 and 0 to start her fucking career in the wwe yeah i mean i don't think she ever oh no no i lie i think she lost one time in aw like, like she literally won that belt that they like established for her or some shit and then she just held on to it for like 51 victories or whatever the hell it was but did and did they officially confirm that Jade Cargill is now a Monday Night Raw superstar? Because Pierce said, welcome to Monday Night Raw. And then he was like, we need to get you a red one of those, talking about her little fur. So is she like, for real, for real, Raw? So I thought she was going to be a couple maybe not a couple weeks ago, maybe a week or two ago when she like tweeted something out about who should be my first victim and then like hashtagged it WWE Raw. But then she recently did the same thing with SmackDown. I would, I actually feel like she's going to be on whatever show. Like I I don't think that she's going to be committed to one brand at first. She might be, but no. To my knowledge, there's nothing official. Um, I've heard... Uh, you know, rumblings of uh, rumors of people saying that it is likely to be raw, but I don't think anything has been officially decided. All I know is I need her first match to be against Xia Lee because I need Jay to say what I've been saying every week. Xia Lee comes out and she says, well, what about me? What about Xia Lee? And I said, 
what about Zaylee? I need her <laughs> to snap. Because <laughs> I need that. Just, who, what? You haven't done nothing. Yeah, like, I, I honestly don't even remember what this girl looks like in the ring. I, I really don't. Like, I can't remember a single match that I've ever seen her in. I can't remember anything about her. I know she can kick. She's doing like a roundhouse kick or some shit. Yeah, I'm, but like... So, <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> what, what about Zia Lee? Like, I, I don't know. Am I supposed to be impressed? Good job. You can kick somebody. Oh, man. Yeah, I was not, I, I, I did not buy into this segment. I don't buy into her. Um, but we've, we are backstage. We've got Jackie interviewing Cody and Jay. She's asking Jay about Sammy. Sammy, uh, you know, Sammy's his dog. There ain't nothing wrong. You feel me? Uh, Cody proceeds to ask Jackie, do you feel him? And Jackie hits us all with, you know, I, I, I think I, I'm feeling oozy. And I'm like, oh, Jackie, come on now. Like, let's whew, calm yourself a little bit. Like, we're, we're, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. Um, Cody's talking about being excited about the match tonight and, and looks at his partner, Jay Uso. Jay, Jay, say the word. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, that was the segment. Jackie, Jack, I don't know why, but I feel like she was kind of eyeing Jay a little bit. She, she was getting a little hot and bothered by Jay. Maybe, maybe, but I kind of had a little opposite, opposite taste in my mouth for that small sake that small piece of the segment right there because i felt that it wasn't in the in the right context that she was talking about being oozy i i felt that oozy is falling out that's not the that's not the in meme right now that's not the in word it's all about do you feel him sir and yeet that's that's where we're at, at right now jackie and when he was asking you if you felt him i believe you were supposed to respond that you feel him I don't know if Usu was appropriate in that scenario. So I, I was kind of thrown off, off there for my own snarkiness, but this was cute. I really like this segment. And I, I love the ending as well. I, I do agree that maybe the proper usage of Usi was not utilized, but I was why it got me is like I was just not expecting her to say it. And I was just like, oh, all right. Yeah. So we're we're going there. But um we get our intercontinental championship match between the Ring General Gunta versus Big Bronson Reed. This was set up when Bronson won the number one contender triple threat match against Chad Gable and Ricochet. And uh, this, this match, like... I don't know. It kind of uh, obviously anything Gunther does is a banger. Um, and even though Gunther lost a bunch of weight since his Walter days, this was still certainly a meat match. But how how do you feel about this one? Match of the night, hands down. No questions asked. Don't need to talk about it any further. I loved it. I think Gunther might be my favorite wrestler. Period. Right now, I don't know. He's just every match. Like every Gunther match I've seen since I first saw him, like in 2018, like I've just enjoyed. And yeah, sometimes I've been disappointed that he hasn't chopped people enough. And 
he'll do like one big chop that I'm giddy like a schoolgirl, you know, and that's all I get in one match back in the day. But I don't know. Like I think like I, I think he's just the top guy for me right now. But number one, Bronson Reed. He's big Bronson again. He's a big boy, so I'm glad that they're they're embracing it. They didn't forget about it. I've not seen this ref before. I don't necessarily always pay attention to the refs, but I feel like I don't think I've ever seen this ref before. So I don't know if they're getting some new talent in there. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's weird when I see like new refs. I'm like, I don't recognize this guy. You know what I'm saying? I like I like seeing people I'm familiar with. It makes me feel comfortable. But this guy, I don't know. Something about his face. I was uh I was like, I don't recognize it. But props to him, he did a good ref job because I you know, didn't even notice that he was there. But, oh man, what did, what did they say last time we had Bronson Reed fighting some big boy, big meaty men slapping meat? Oh my God, if you're a big fan of hamburgers and ground beef, you're going to get a lot of that here on Bronson Reed's chest because that is what Guther did to the poor man. And Bronson Reed was trying to fight back. He was getting some chops in on his own. But I think Guther chopped this man more times this match than he's done like all year it seems like like this match was literally like 67 chops i should have counted now now that i'm thinking back on it because fuck like it was a lot of it was beautiful i loved it it was fan fucking fantastic oh my god i'd say 99 percent of his chops like were amazing and they just progressively like got worse and worse usually they kind of die down and you know that they go on to the match and they'll save a bigger one like, nah, like, every chop was just harder than the next one. But, you know, Reed was still doing his thing. Um, he was fighting out of a sleeper at one point, and I was thinking, Bronson, he's a pretty big boy. His neck kind of thick, so I don't know how well you'd be able to catch a, a sleeper in on that guy. I feel like Otis, like, you'd never be able to get a sleeper on that guy. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, just... Chopping the shit out of this man. At one point, he's hitting these uh, these clotheslines on Reed, and he's just smacking him in the chest, you know, front of the neck, smacking him in the back of the neck, front, back, just clotheslining the hell out of this man, completely beating him down. Bronson had a giant Death Valley driver that he put Gunther right on his neck, and that was disgusting. Um, at one point, there was a fucking superplex top rope. Both men, oh my god, it was beautiful. It was at this moment Gunther came came back with everything that he had left in the chamber. He hit the shotgun drop kick. He hit the giant clothesline, which actually put Big Bronson down because not every clothesline actually knocked this man down. But this one knocked him down and he went up top, hit the splash, and you thought that's it. He's won matches with every single one of those moves individually. He hit them in the trifecta and Reed still kicks out. And Gunther was fucking pissed. He was not having it. He's on the ropes. He almost snapped, but being the greatest Intercontinental Champion that's ever existed, he collected himself, used that as fuel to hit the fucking giant powerbomb on this big man. And it wasn't a weak powerbomb where the guy barely gets his head up and you let him go. He picked him up. He got some rotation and he slammed this man down. One, two, three. Beautiful victory. Yeah, uh, agreed. Match of the night, no question. Um, when we started the match, you, you got commentary. Um, 
And one guy asked, asked Wade Barrett because Wade's won the Intercontinental Championship like five times or whatever. And he's like, you know, why, why is Gunter the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time? Oh, I don't know. Maybe the fact that he has a record-setting fucking reign. Like, I, I, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Like, that's kind of obvious um i loved the death valley driver spot i've never seen bronson reed hit one before and i was kind of surprised to see him pop one out um but really this this whole thing kind of felt like the story obviously chops but um the story of trying to power bomb bronson reed and I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah, I think Gunther's a big dude and, and a strong dude and whatnot. I didn't know if he could actually pull off the power bomb on the 330 pound bowling ball, but uh, he did. And it was incredible. And this match to me, so our conversation uh, last pod, probably last Raw pod, um, about could Gunther be a face? This match to me is the perfect example of why the answer is yes. First off, the crowd loves him. He puts on incredible matches. But again, he wins the right way. If this was Roman, the bloodline would have interfered in this match. If this was anybody from the Judgment Day, everybody else in the Judgment Day would have interfered. He has the Imperium to back him up. But he very rarely, if at any point, uses them. And, you know, they wanted to try to build this as being a tougher match for Gunther just because of the the sheer size and power of Bronson Reed. Imperium wasn't even out there. He handled Reed by himself. So this is why I think that answer is yes, Gunther can be a face because he wins the right way. He has no help whatsoever. 99% of the time. Why? Because he doesn't fucking need it. So there's my answer. Yes. Yeah, and it would be just this simple. Everything he does now, he does for himself. He does for his own pride, his own victory to be the greatest for himself. You take all of his promos instead of yourself. You see, I do it for the fans. Boom. He's the biggest face that you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) I am. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. Maybe, maybe, you know, they're, they're going to have to probably drop the IC and cause how often do people do a face turn while they're holding a belt? I don't, I don't think very often if I can even think of any examples, I, I don't think I can, but, um, drop the IC, turn face and either get the world heavyweight or the undisputed universal. One of those two. Because that's what this man fucking deserves at this point. Oh my god. He's going to lose the IC to Gable. He's going to go away for a little bit. He's going to come back. He's going to... I think he's going to win the Rumble. And he's going to challenge Roman. Okay, sign. where do I sign? Like, yes please. Um, and, and have him take out the entire bloodline by himself when they try to interfere. If the bloodline's even intact by that point. Which, I don't think it's going to be. But... We have Jackie interviewing The Miz. Disappointing, I know. I was disappointed too. The Miz is pissed that we had to wait until the third hour of the season premiere of Monday Night Raw 
to even see his face. And in my head, I turned into the rock and I said, shut up, bitch. <laughs> that, that's how I felt about that. He's ranting and uh, Nia Jax comes in and just takes the microphone. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Uh, she's saying that she's still standing there looking pretty despite everybody hitting her with their best shot. And she hasn't even broke out her best shot yet. So I guess the Annihilator isn't her best shot. And here on Monday Night Raw, she's the one that does the squashing. And the only thing that this segment was missing was Nia Jax squashing The Miz. So anytime we see The Miz, and, and number one, again, different, different reasons actions here because i saw the miz i was excited i was like where's miz been i was like is he even on this show i was like who's it like all i could remember is him getting beat up by la night but i feel like there was something after that but either way she's talking shit and we know anytime we see the miz anybody that he's on camera with or that he talks about that's gonna be the next match first person he mentioned was Sami Zayn, so we're probably going to see Sammy beat Miz so that Sammy can regain some momentum after he takes this loss to Drew next week. That's probably something that we're going to see. We're probably going to have Miz TV in two weeks where Miz is going to be talking to Sammy. How could you? How could you let Drew dominate you so bad? <laughs> or something like that. And they'll probably do that. He also mentioned Nick Aldis. He was hyping up the guy, but you know that never works in Miz's favor. So I'm thinking... Is all like Ms. Nick Aldis? No way, but maybe the guy can wrestle. So I don't, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see it because that would give that guy some more character, some more attitude, so people could actually respect him. Maybe they actually give him intro music and they don't just say his name and have everybody in the crowd silent with no music as they're like, who's he's the what now? Who? But you know, either way. And then we did see him with Nia Jackson. Okay. We're not going to see Miz and Nia, but I can see her beating him up. Something's going to happen. You know, maybe we were calling for Tozawa to be the one that gets beat up by all the women, you know, in this badass division. What if it ends up being the Miz? What if, what if the Miz gets somehow involved in like a Miz TV segment with the women? He tries to do Miz TV with all five women, and then he just eats all of their finishers and then eats. Uh, he gets squashed by Nia Jax because she does the squashing. That would probably be the greatest Miz TV of all time. Um, and I think Miz's last match was was probably Drew. Um, so I, I, you know, we that's played out. I agree that you know Sammy is a probably likely target for him next. But yeah, I just she she should have done a little squashing right there and then. I I would have been okay with that um we've got adam pierce backstage uh ria is super pissed at him uh over the fact that there was so much interference in her last match and nobody did anything about it uh but pierce is more pissed and he puts her in her place i was shocked at him snapping off at mommy and uh and going right back at her and he informs her about the fatal five-way. Rhea absolutely loses it. Uh, but ultimately, she says, well, I, I'll just, I'll, I'm, I'm just going to have to eradicate all of them, which I fully expect her to do. Yeah, what the hell was this? Like, And 
this little piece here is like a trifecta segment that 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 we're all conjoined. My overall thought after all these segments back to back, I thought I was on drugs or in Bizarro World because everything in each of these next segments was kind of strange, right? But what the hell, Pierce? You're not scared of Rhea Ripley? Like she lost the bass in her voice. You know, she was like, I, I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to eradicate them all. Like, was she like almost had an accent? Like, went back to her normal voice. Like. I don't like that. You know, I, I I get it. We have, you know, uh, cracks in the armor here and there. You know, whatever, a weak link in the chain. It's got to be different. Recently, it was the tag team in Judgment Day. Recently, it was Dom. I mean, are we going to see that for Mommy? She's already making these backstage deals. So maybe things are going to start crumbling for the planner in her world. You know, I felt like it's too soon because when things start crumbling, that means she's going to lose the belt and she can't lose that. I feel like she's got to hold on to that thing until Mania for Jade or Royal Rumble Jade. But I, I don't think I think Jade's going to be a Mania match, right? But unless she gets it sooner and, and Jade challenges Charlotte because they were beefing, I don't know. But interesting little segment. Yeah. Um, I I was equally surprised. Uh, I don't expect her to drop the belt anytime soon. I expect her to set a record for longest reigning women's champion of all time because that just seems to be something that Triple H likes to do. Um, and she seems like the most obvious one to do it. And now we get, for me, segment of the night. We get, we get a little look-see on Alpha Academy training. We've got Maxine teaching Otis some Pilates while Chad and Akira Tozawa are doing like some aerobics in the background. Chad blows a whistle, gets them all to stop, and has Otis give him a beautiful chop right to the chest saying, That one's for you, Gunther. He Chad is saying that he's coming for the IC title and the Alpha Academy is now going to be coming for the tag belts. This is when New Day comes in and they're like, oh, you're talking about the uh, undisputed, universal, unified, whatever the hell you want to call it, tag championship, doing some of their good old hip gyrations as they're going through the discussion. Uh... You know, you, you can't be talking about that without talking about the new day. Otis is like, yo, you guys think you know about the hips? He's trying to give them some gyrations of his own. But honestly, it really turns out the only thing Otis can do with his humps, with his humps, <laughs> with his hips is just give a good old hump forward that that's all otis has got in his his vocabulary is just a straight air hump um uh, chaz is saying you know what let's have alpha academy versus new day next week to find out who's got the best hips in the business What's that? arigato akira tozawa jumps in to drop a quote-unquote nasty arigato instead of a thank you from Chad segment of the night. Yo, all right, all right. and right right in between this, right right after Mommy, right before 
hips and thrusts, we had a glimpse, a taste of the return of the modern day Maharaja, Jinder Mohal, and his buddies in share. They snuck into the office right after uh, Rhea Ripley left all pissed to talk to Pierce. But yes, this segment, they're stretching, they're chopping. Tazawa is just in the background. He, he's just being Tazawa in the background. Like, what, what does this guy do? Like, like, can I get that job? Can I have that paycheck? I want to do that. Just to hang out and be random. I feel like I could do that, right? But then the New Day comes in here. And, you know, they got to drop it on the WWE. So they, they getting all deep into it. And then Otis is like, what do you know about the hips? And he's showing him some thrust in action. The New Day's thrusting in. I was kind of disappointed when we got the shoosh and they kind of broke it up. Should be a fun match next week. Um, I'm interested to see what action we'll get. I want to see Xavier Woods pick up Otis. That's going to be fun. And and when it, and anytime Xavier and Gable are in the ring, because Xavier was like a high school or college like like champion or state champion or something like that. So he amateur wrestler. So like. That's going to be super fun when they go in the ring. They're probably just going to shoot for a little bit. That's going to be amazing. But Otis, I believe Otis claims he has the best hips in the business. And then we've got that nasty side to side from Tazawa. I, my, I thought like I died and I was somewhere else because all of this, like, give me more of this. This is, this is the season premiere. The whole season needs to be like this. Bro, this is why I'm saying Chad Gable... And the Alpha Academy, they're the most underrated individual and group in the entire WWE. Like, dude, they are so fucking good on a microphone. They're so good in segments. They are so fun in the ring. I'd be worried about Xavier Woods picking up Otis because that man's had his fair share of injuries and... uh I just don't know that we want to test that, <laughs> test that one. You know, I'm curious who's going to eat the caterpillar. My money's on Kofi. Um, but you know, there's going to be some extra, extra, extra hip focus in this match. And man, I cannot wait for it. Akira Tozawa, please, bro, just join the Alpha Academy. Like, let's just do this. Let's make it fucking official. Let, let's get him the, the red singlet. Like, let's do this the right way. Yes. Yes, make it official. And then and, um, when we have the match next week, Alpha Academy's going to win, but then we're going to have, like, the good sportsmanship. They're all going to get in the ring, then they're all going to start thrusting and dancing together. And then they're going to be friends. And the New Day will be there as backup for Alpha Academy when they go against Judgment Day. And they do get J.D. McDonough back. So then we've got a nice little four-on-four to kind of build those mid-stories until we get the big pay-per-view match where they eventually lose for the tag titles. Oh, you know what I need? Um, so I, I, I sent you this video, but in case some of the listeners have not seen it, at one of the live shows, I think there was a tag match between um, Alpha Academy and Cody and Jay. And after the match, they had like 
a worm slash caterpillar off. So we we had Otis, Chad Gable, Maxine, uh, Jay, and Cody all doing the caterpillar slash the worm, and I feel like we we need that with New Day because I feel like that that's probably going to be the the best results that we could hope for in the entire company is is that that whole situation in the ring yeah um we get a shot backstage with imperium gunther is getting congratulated by his lackeys and uh he tells ludwig that he did a good job he took care of his responsibility he won his match however vinci did not take care of his responsibilities because johnny gargano was still walking around the building relatively fine and he tells vinci that uh you know after next week's match with vinci which okay i guess we're getting that um he better not be and then looks over at Ludwig and says, that's your responsibility this time. So uh, biggest takeaway is I guess we're getting Johnny Gargano Vinci at next week's Raw. <laughs> yep, and that's when we're going to get Gargano beating Vinci, which is going to build between Imperium breaking up. Yeah, and maybe this is what we need for the face turn of uh, Gunther. So... Let's make this happen. And now we end up in our main event of the night. We have the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, and main event, Jey Uso, defending their undisputed tag championship belts against the former holders of the belts, Damian Priest and Finn Balor of the Judgment Day. And I'm assuming most people know the outcome of this by now, the fact that Priest and Balor regain their titles back. But I would just like to take a moment and thank Triple H and the WWE Creative for listening to our podcast and um, agreeing with me that you know we need to drop belts on TV shows every now and then just to make it feel like it could be a possibility. And... Um, they, they listened. This would not have been my personal pick for that to happen with, but it's a great one to have it happen with because realistically, you had two of the top people in the entire company drop belts on Monday night. Take it away. Yeah, and small thing, shout out Kofi. He did some type of uh, foundation funding nonsense. You know, I always love to see that good stuff out there back in the motherland. Um, but yeah, um, crowds popping for Jay. Everybody's hype. We had the crowd chanting "Yeet," which was fun. Cody entrance always fire. I need pyro in my life. Like just whenever I walk in somewhere and I just get pa 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 You know what I'm saying? It's a motherfucking pyro. That shit would be fucking great. Um, and in the crowd, a little girl had a main event nightmare sign for a potential tag team name, which you know we'd mention that one. I think that's a good one, but guess what? Little girl doesn't matter because they lost, right? So it doesn't matter what you think it should be. <laughs> so um, this was this was a fun match. It was kind of slow to start. It was just Jay getting beat up for a while until he tagged Cody in, and Cody was like, "Oh my god!" And he hit like uh, his little drop down uppercut, 
but then he hit it again, like in quick succession, which was nice. I like a little double uppercut. Hits double all the quick power slams, and they just they just keep you know JB down and put Cody in to hit all his Cody moves. He hits the Cody kick, the disaster kick, and it's great. And then of course Dirty Dom, you know you can hear him coming before or you can see him because the crowd just starts booing this man. So you know he's coming out, but Cody takes him out and Finn is up in there. Um, we eventually get a crossroads to Priest after Cody, you know, clears the ring and gets back one on one. But Dom pulls the foot up on the rope, so doesn't get the pinfall there. Cody's pissed. He starts chasing Dom, and he's like running faster than you know Braun Strowman used to run around the ring. He's got a good little sprint, you know, maybe a run I should say, not a sprint, but faster than the jog. But he eats this nasty clothesline from Finn Balor on the outside. And then we get a commercial break. And that was a that was a fun little spot right there. Uh, as we get back, we get a nice little pedigree by Cody. Jay gets in, hits a Samoan drop, and takes the shirt off. So now Jay's in Super Saiyan mode. As we all know, once you take the shirt off, then it's real. You know, he hits the uh tries to hit the hip attack, but he can't, but he ends up getting a, a nice top rope cross body eventually. Um, gets a super kick. We get Cody in there. They said a one D cutter, so I feel like that's that sounds better than the Cody one D that they said after that. But Balor just kicks out. So like, not only are they killing the gimmick of the team, they're just killing everything about them. Like they can never wrestle. Like they're just no longer a tag team anymore. That's why they're gonna wrestle against Alpha Academy. For a number one contenders match to get their belts back, and they're going to lose. Like, I, I I don't know what this was about. I don't know why you'd have anybody kick out of that. That move was so good. I don't know. And they were treating it like a transitional move. I don't get me started. Um, they end up outside of the outside of the ring. Priest hits. It's basically a choke slam on the apron, but they called it the South of Heavens, and he didn't even get the man up all the way. But I'm like, you called this out the heavens, so they're like, oh shit, like it, it's extra bad now. But it's not, you know, it wasn't that good. <laughs> but we get a whole bunch of just craziness going on in the match. Eventually, it looks like Finn's about to take it, and we get some spears. From Jay, Spears, 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 Spin, Spears, Finn, Spears, Priest, trying to go back up top, move Spin in the right position, but he gets super kicked by him, Jim, his own blood and brother, Jimmy Uso. Jay's down, Finn's up, coup de gras, new tag champs. Yes, sir. And um, I... I'm conflicted because I I surprisingly really enjoyed the duo of Cody and Jay. I do think it's over. Um, ultimately, like I don't think anybody was expecting them in the first place. A to be a tag team, and B to win the tag titles. So to me, it's one of these things of like, okay, it happened. I enjoyed it for what it was. I enjoyed it while it lasted. But at the end of the day, it doesn't finish anybody's story. So we had to move on from it. And, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Uh, this all makes more sense. Um, 
And the reality is them holding tag titles was going to hold them back because if they were holding the tag titles, you know, Cody's not going for Roman's belt. Jay's not going for whatever the fuck he's going. Like it was almost in some ways a step backwards from Jay because he was cementing himself the real deal, main event Jay Uso, and then he ends up back just in a tag team again. So um, I think the spears were no coincidence. I definitely think that's a bit of a message to Roman. So I I actually think that we may end up getting a Cody J match because of the fact that like they're both going to be going for Roman. I I don't know how we'll get there. Um and maybe it's Mania, maybe maybe the the last two in the ring at the end of the uh not Mania. Um wow. Royal Rumble, sorry. Um Maybe that the last two standing at it, and and then you know I I don't know, but they could be fighting over who gets to go after Roman. It it just makes sense this avenue that they're going. So I'm cool with it, and like I said, it makes me feel like we can drop belts on a TV show at this point. Specifically, the fact that it was these two people dropping the belts. Yeah, and. I was uh, just as you expressed. I was not as excited for this Judgment Day victory as I was the first time they were all dra- draped out in gold. Because I was kind of conflicted as well, but I agree. And in every sentiment that you expressed, it did feel like a step back. It's not in the right direction. But this is what this is. This is the biggest revelation I had of the evening with all the things that we saw on this episode and last SmackDown. We know that the Judgment Day is working some kind of deal with the Bloodline. I don't know how, what they're working with, who they're working for, but we know that Roman isn't necessarily part of it because we've never seen Roman really interact with Rhea or Judgment Day, right? But we've seen Jimmy interact. And we know Jimmy's kind of on the outside. What if, like, Jimmy was coerced or, you know, persuaded to gain something in the future to make sure Judgment Day wins those titles back? And they're eventually going to let him use the briefcase that they're going to take away from Priest when they kick Priest out of the Judgment Day and bring Jimmy into the Judgment Day. And he's going to use the briefcase to dethrone Roman. And we have a new judgment line, him, Jim era. I don't know, man. That's, that's what my mind was at at the end of this episode. I like that. I don't see him taking the belts from Roman, but what I do see is him using the judgment day to get control of the bloodline. Like, Hey, listen, you know, you help me. We'll cut Roman out of the picture. You know what I mean? It'll, It'll be me, it'll be Solo, it'll be maybe Braun Breaker. Um, who knows if Paul Heyman will be involved or not. But, you know, that that could be the play is like, okay, you know, you, you don't have a, an alliance with Roman, but you have an alliance with me, so help me take control of the bloodline and then we'll be permanently aligned. But at the end of the day, when does a heel faction heel faction alliance ever work out without somebody stabbing each other in the back. So this is going to go wrong at some point. 
And what I look at it as like now with them having the tag belts, I guess Judgment Day could have something the Bloodline wants. But if you were to take the tag belts out of the picture, let's say they drop them to somebody or whatever, like after that point, the Judgment Day doesn't have anything that the Bloodline could want. You know, they don't want an NXT belt. And they don't have a women in their ranks, so they, they don't have anybody to go after Rhea. However, the bloodline has something that the Judgment Day could want as far as the universal undisputed champion. So I, I, I feel like this is going to end in Judgment Day backstabbing bloodline regardless of who ends up in position, but it would be in their best interest to help Jimmy gain control of it, essentially weaken the bloodline. Because after that, like, who's the bloodline at that point? Jimmy and Solo? So it's just two people. And meanwhile, you got Priest, Balor, and Dom, m- maybe JD McDonough, um, and, and maybe an IOU from Drew McIntyre. So I can see that for sure. Yeah, it'd be so exciting. And yeah, it'll all blow up in everybody's face at some point. But and one thing that Bloodline might be interested on Judgment Day's behalf as well is the briefcase. Because, you know, that's a threat to Roman and the Bloodline because that's a potential person to try to steal his spot. But that's also an avenue for him, Jim, or even Solo to take that spot because we both know that they both are thinking about it. So it's a, it's a lot going on there and I'm glad we have some more twist to the story because when I saw Jimmy attacking Jay again, so that he loses again, it was kind of mid, but with all the potential outcomes, I feel like it was okay. Yeah. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe you're right, and maybe the bloodline can get the briefcase from the Judgment Day, and then Roman cashes in on Seth, and then he just has all the belts again. Let's unify him again. <laughs> oh, I like as stupid as that sounds. Like I would not put it past them. That sounds like something that could happen, and that they would do. And that's that's what I was thinking as well. Um, not with him with the briefcase, but. Um, as we were talking previously about Cody and eventually him getting back to the story, I could see somehow if Gunther is going to Mania or something like that against Roman, um, Cody can, you know, win the chamber to get the belt from Drew, who might still be holding it at that time, or Priest, and he's got beef with both of those guys, so both of those would make sense as matches. When he gets the heavyweight belt, he goes in a belt-for-belt match against Roman to finish the story and Cody ends up with everything. That could be interesting. I would sign up for that. So much random shit they can do. Hope and it's going to end up being nothing that we thought about. And it's still going to be fire. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, I, I think ultimately what this Cody and Jay tag episode kind of accomplished is like just postponing. It bought them a little bit of time to get the Jimmy J thing. You know, I, I think, I expected them to hold the belts a little bit longer and then it would have made if if they want to go the route of Jay versus Jimmy at WrestleMania like it could have bought them a little bit more time to get to that but it already bought them, you know, a couple weeks and in the grand scheme of things a couple couple weeks is 
long enough to figure something else out. You know what I mean? So it bought them time and, uh, I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, that, that was quite an eventful season premiere of a Monday night raw. Take us home, my dog. Yes, sir. It was a great show. We thank you miserable folks for allowing us to make your lives just a tad bit less miserable. We will catch you next time uh, for an exciting jam episode filled with smackdown and nxt action i will have some great details as i will be live at this uh friday night smackdown so we'll see what we have going on then but until then stay safe and enjoy the day deuces deuces Peace. Peace.